Good afternoon, brothers and sisters. It is a great blessing that we may be here again to join together in worship of our triune God. A hearty welcome to all of you who are present here and to all those who have joined us via the live stream this afternoon. May the preaching of the gospel message direct our hearts and minds in faith and trust to our Saviour Jesus Christ and cause us to live our lives to the praise of him. Consistory has the following announcements. Next week, Sunday, the 12th of June, we will celebrate the Lord's Supper in the morning service. Sister Julia Terpstra from the Free From Church of Mundijong and Brother Dawa Rupka have indicated their intentions to enter into the marriage state according to the ordinance of God. They desire to begin this holy state in the name of the Lord and complete it to his glory. If no lawful objections are brought forward, the ceremony will take place the Lord willing, on Friday the 24th of June at 11am in the Free Reformed Church of Darling Downs with Reverend A. Pohl officiating. The Free Reformed Church of Darling Downs has extended a call to candidate Rodney Dempore. You are again reminded that there will be a meeting with one of our missionaries, Reverend De Jong, this week Thursday in this building commencing at 7.30pm. And this afternoon's service will again be led by Reverend Poppy. Before we commence, let us sing together Psalm 135, verse 10. Rise, brothers and sisters. As the people of God, we confess that our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Amen. Receive the greeting of God. Grace to you in peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's sing a song of praise to God. Let's sing together from Psalm 125, the verses 1 and 2.
Brothers and sisters, in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12, the Apostle Paul encourages Timothy, fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Well, let us make the good confession of our faith that we also may take hold of the eternal life. Let's do so this afternoon with singing together the words of the Apostles' Creed as it's put to music in hymn one. Let's now pray to God. Let's ask God for his blessing. Almighty God and Father in heaven, we come to you again this Sunday afternoon. We thank you, Lord, that we're able to be here together as your people. Thank you for the peace and freedom we get to enjoy. Realize, Lord, when we look around the world and when we we think about what's happened over the history of the church, that we're in a really unique position. Sunday after Sunday, in peace and freedom, we're, at, we're able to gather together to worship your name. There's no persecution, never afraid of, of the police breaking in on us, throwing us in jail. It's quite a, quite a treasure, Lord. It's a unique gift, and we thank you for that. Pray that we may indeed treasure that, that we use the opportunities that you've given us to grow in faith. But we thank you also that we may worship you You are our Father, and we are your children. And you love us, and we love you. And we love to come into your presence to hear your word, and to also sing praises to you, and and give our thank offerings to you, to pray to you, and to confess our faith in you. Father, please strengthen us with the preaching. Please also accept the worship that we give you. Grant that we may have a blessed time together in each other's presence. 
We pray that you help us to lift our hearts on high in heaven, where Christ is at your right hand. Help us to, to glorify you, to glorify our Savior, and help us to, in this way also, to be strengthened for a new week of, of service before you. Father, we ask that you would please forgive us for all the sins that we have committed, that you be near to us with your Holy Spirit, and that you do it for Christ's sake. Amen. So this afternoon, brothers and sisters, I may preach God's word to you as we, we find that in the scriptures. We're going to focus our attention this afternoon on the Canons of Dort, chapter 5, article 14. There it talks about the use of means, that God uses certain means to work faith in our hearts and to bring us into glory. And in connection with it, I'd like to first read with you from the Bible. We're going to read together from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1, through to chapter 3, verse 5. So I invite you to open your Bible to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. You can find that on page 1175 of your guest Bible. In 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 1, there God's word says, Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And you know what is restraining him now, so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan, with all power and false signs and wonders, and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing, because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore God sends them a strong delusion, so that they may believe what is false, in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm and take hold, sorry, and, and hold to the tradition that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you, 
and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. For not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you, that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. So far. Let's now sing together the the glory of the word of God, the blessing we receive through it, Psalm 19, the verses 3, 4, and 5.
This afternoon I may preach to you the word of God concerning the means that God uses to gather his people and preserve us to the end. I'm going to consider what the church has summarized, confessed in the Cansador, chapter 5, article 14. You can find that on page 585 of your book of praise. So the last few weeks we heard that the Lord will preserve his people and bring them into glory. And here in article 14, the Lord teaches us about the, the means that he uses, the use of means and perseverance. Just as it has pleased God to begin this work of grace in us by the preaching of the gospel, so he maintains, continues, and perfects it by the hearing and reading of the word, by meditation on it, by its exhortations, threats, and promises, and by the use of the sacraments. Then after the proclamation of God's word, we're going to sing together from Psalm 78, the verses 1 through 4. Dear brothers and sisters, congregation loved by the Lord Jesus Christ, the past weeks we've heard the beautiful message that those whom God has chosen, he will bring into glory. He'll preserve his elect, and they will share an eternal life, because ultimately salvation is not our work, but it's the gift of God in Christ. Now, on one level, that's really comforting for us, brothers and sisters. We don't have to worry about the future. We don't have to worry about our eternal glory. Sometimes I have that conversation with people. They're quite concerned for their children or maybe their grandchildren. You see the world in which they live and they think about how their kids or their grandkids are going to grow up and they're just deeply concerned because they don't know how it's going to go. There's this increase of lawlessness. And sometimes they have this real worry in their hearts about what's going to happen to their descendants. It's quite interesting. The Lord says, he says, at the end of the day, he says, salvation is my work. It's not your work. It's my work. And I will bring to glory everyone whom I have chosen. I'm going to accomplish it because I have the power. And I love my people. And no one's going to snatch them out of my hand. Well, it's, it's very comforting. But at the same time, in the very next breath, the Lord tells us, that doesn't mean that salvation happens automatically. It's not as if it just, just happens to come about in some people's lives and it doesn't happen to come about in other people's lives. The Lord is very clear that he uses certain means to affect his salvation. We just summarized it here in Article 14. Just as it pleased God to begin this work of grace in us by the preaching of the gospel, so he maintains, continues, and perfects it by the hearing and reading of his word, by meditation on it, by its exhortations, threats, and promises, and by the use of the sacraments. You don't make it into glory as a matter of course, brothers and sisters. You faithfully use the means that God has given. This is the way that God keeps you close. It's the way he brings you into glory. And so I summarize God's word with this theme, the Lord uses certain means to bring us into glory. 
We'll see in the first place the gift of the word, then the gift of admonition, and finally the gift of the sacraments. But it's really striking. We, We looked in the past weeks at quite a number of different passages in the scripture where the Lord confirms for us that he will bring his children into glory. What I'd like to do with you now is just go back to a few of those passages, and when you read them, then you'll notice that there's a connection between bringing us into glory and the means that God uses to do so. So the first passage I'd like to refer to is John 10, verse 27. There Christ promises that he'll give his sheep eternal life, and his sheep will never perish because no one is going to snatch them out of his hand. But it's very interesting to notice the context within which he says that. He says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My sheep hear my voice. They follow me. And these are the ones who no one is going to be able to snatch out of my hand. And we heard this morning that Christ sends down his spirit to guide his people in his truth. It's when we understand the truth of God's word, the truth especially about who Christ is, about what Christ has done for us, about our identity in Christ. It's when we understand that truth. That's how God, that's the means that God uses to keep us close to him and to bring us into glory. And so the implication, what Christ is saying here is, is we need to hear his voice. We have to hear what he says to us. And that's very striking when you, when you look at what the scripture says about that, even this The ability to hear is a gift of God. One of the passages where the Lord reflects on that is in Romans 10, verse 13. There Paul makes the point that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you call on his name, you're going to be saved. But then he kind of, he wonders about that. You know, how's that possible? How are they going to call on him on whom they have not believed? And how are they going to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they going to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. The way you come to believe, the way you come to glory is by hearing the message. And the only way you hear the message is is if somebody preaches. But how does someone come to preach Well, the young man doesn't just wake up one morning and decide, you know, I'm going to be a preacher and I'm going to do this. No, it is the Spirit of God who works it in your heart and who leads a young man to that point. It is the Holy Spirit who works faith in a person and who brings a person to the stage, who ordains the person to office and brings them to the stage that they preach the gospel. And so it is God who raises up his messengers. He's the one who sends them out. And when he sends them out, then we can hear the message and we can believe in Jesus Christ. And so, even at this very fundamental level of of having preachers, having teachers, the Bible tells us that this is the gift of God in Christ. And it was already that way in the Old Testament. Yet the Old Testament prophets, oftentimes we think of a prophet as someone who receives the word of God and who passes that on to us. You know that... That was part of the role of the prophets in the Old Testament. Some of them received these these special messages from God, and they brought that to the people. But alongside of that, one of the more 
central tasks of the prophet is that prophets had the, the task and responsibility to teach the people what God had already revealed. It wasn't only the prophets, it was the priests, it was the Levites who also shared that task. In Leviticus 10 verse 11, the, the priests are entrusted the task of teaching the Israelites the decrees that the Lord had given through Moses. Or in 2 Chronicles 17, we have an example of that. In verse 9 there, it tells us certain officials and priests, it says, and they taught in Judah, having the book of the law of the Lord with them. And they went through all the cities of Judah and taught among all the people. And so once again here, the point is that God raises up these teachers. He gives them his word, he sends them to his people, and he gives them the task of teaching the people so that they may believe in him. Well, the implication of this, brothers and sisters, is that you don't come into glory just as a matter of course. Not everybody makes it into glory. We heard this morning that the devil and his demons are powerful beings and they seek our destruction. We need the Spirit of God to guide us in the truth so that we persevere to the end. And the Spirit uses the truth of God's Word to make that happen. And so it's a real responsibility that we use the word in the first place that we're present for the preaching and that we listen to the preaching. You know, there's some people who skip church occasionally. There's some people who skip church regularly. And there's some people who are hardly ever in church. Well, being a Christian, it's not a static thing. Relationships are never static. They're always dynamic. They're always moving. Either you grow closer to a person or you grow further away from them. Either you grow closer to the Lord or you grow further away from him. And if you're not present where his word is being proclaimed, if you don't hear the message of the gospel, if you don't submit yourself to the preaching, this is the primary means that God uses to draw you to him. And so if you're absent, you're not going to hear the message. You're not going to grow in that relationship with your father. And what's going to happen to you if you're not faithful in worshiping? Well, you're not only going to rob God of his glory, he made you for worship, but you're also going to drift. Maybe slowly, maybe more quickly. You know, culturally, you might be a reformed Christian. You might identify yourself as a reformed Christian. But if the word is not alive in you, if worshiping God is not one of the central parts of your life, if this isn't a highlight for you, if this is, if this is a chore for you, and if you rather miss it instead of, instead of be present here, then don't be surprised that, that the day comes that you don't treasure it, that you don't value it, that you drift further and further away from the Lord. We've had some conversation as, as consistory around the live streaming. Kind of wondered if this has been a blessing for God's people. There was a time, you know, especially through COVID, it was a real blessing. We weren't able to be here together. We were able to live stream the services. That was just a really beautiful thing. We could hear the preaching of the gospel and we could be a part of it in that way. But you know, since then, it's one of the striking things is since that happened, it 
We don't have the same number of people in our worship services that we used to. Now, this afternoon, we have quite a few empty spaces in the benches. Well, to my mind, it seems it was different for us before COVID hit. There seemed to be more people in church. Maybe it's just my impression, but that really seemed to be the case. And you really have to wonder if years from now, we're going to look back one day, we're going to say, you know, COVID was a time where things changed in our churches. It wasn't as important to people to come to worship. They were more comfortable being at home. And one thing led to another. If you're more comfortable at home, you don't make the, the effort to be there. You don't, you're not there as much as you wish to be. It's really a hard issue. If you're not there because you don't wish to be, then over time, you become more and more isolated. And then it's easier not to come. And eventually, then you don't come. And we've had a few people who have withdrawn their membership from our churches, from our church. And, you know, initially it was easier just not to be here. And at some stage, they withdrew altogether. The Lord calls us. He says, you come to worship me. You do it twice on a Sunday. I want to meet with you. I want to have fellowship with you. I want to encourage you in your faith. I want to bless you. And I want to hear your worship. I want to hear you praise me and thank me and bless me and, and honor me for who I am and for what I've done for you. And as God's people, this is one of the great treasures we have, brothers and sisters. We're allowed to be here. May the Lord work it in our hearts that we treasure this time, that we take his word to heart and that we live it out. It's not just the preaching. It's also in our personal lives. One of the greatest gifts that God gives us is that we have the opportunity to read his word personally and privately and also as a family to be encouraged to know the Lord and to walk closely with him. Something that God gave Moses, he gave his laws to him to teach the people so that they would fear the Lord and that they would receive a long life from him. Read about that in Deuteronomy 6 verse 1. And they were told that the parents have the responsibility to also pass this along to their children. Deuteronomy 6, verse 7, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. You know, if you think about it, brothers and sisters, you can't give faith to your children. You can't save them. That's the work of God, the Holy Spirit. He's the only one who saves his people. He's the only one who can work conversion. But the Lord says you do have a responsibility. You have to bring the word. You have to teach them the word. You have to lay the word on their heart. When they get up in the morning, you need to talk to them. And when you're on the way to school, you need to have conversations. And when you drive home from school, you need to process the events of their day and help them to have a biblical perspective, to understand who God is and what God calls them and what God has done for them. In all the circumstances of life, God says, it is your responsibility as parents to instruct your children so that they know the Lord and that they love him. And then the Lord says, it's not just for your children, but it's for yourself. One of the passages that always strikes me is, is the, the passage in Deuteronomy 18, when a man becomes a king in Israel. And the law was that when a man became king, he needed to take a copy of the Torah of the first five books of Moses. He needs to take out his pen and he needs to write a copy for himself. 
probably would have taken him months to write out a copy of the law for himself. And then he needed to read the law all the days of his life. He needed to read through that over and over again so that he was grounded in an understanding of the laws of the Lord, that he could lead the nation to know God, to love him, to walk in his ways. Not a bad thing to do, brothers and sisters. We're not kings. Just imagine if you were to do that for yourself. That you take the Bible out and that you write out the law of God. Or that you write out the Psalms. Or that you write out some of the books of the New Testament that celebrate the work of Christ. So when you write it out, then you slow down. And then you take it to heart. You reflect on it. You meditate on it. And you go back to it later on, and there's parts of it that really jump out at you. That you remember. You remember writing that down. You remember the thoughts, and you, you see it again, and it, it's alive in your memory. It's something that, that affects your, your outlook and your understanding and your perspective. Well, what a great gift of God to give to the king. What a great gift that God gives to us. You now, if you, if you take some time, it might be a great blessing, a great way to grow in faith before Christ. You know, in this regard, maybe if I can use the opportunity to reflect just one more time here, brothers and sisters. You know, there used to be a time when a family sat down for a meal and did devotions together in morning and evening. You know, Dad used to read the Bible, start in Genesis and, and read all the way through to Revelation. Over the course of the years, the children would hear the Bible over and over again. And it would just be this deeply settling thing where you hear about who the Lord is, and you hear about what he's done, and you're reminded over and over again of, of God's work among his people and of the salvation that he's accomplished for us in Christ. Well, these days, I hear little snippets from different people, and I have to wonder if it still happens, brothers and sisters. So Dad's off and up before the kids are up. He's gone, off to work. Sometimes the rest of the family, they wake up at the last minute, they wolf down some breakfast, and they run out of the house, and there's not really a lot of time for devotions. And sometimes I chat with people, and they tell me that they never in their life have they read the book of Leviticus. They've never read 1 Chronicles. They've never read the Minor Prophets. There's whole sections of the Bible that, that they've never looked at. Or sometimes people tell me that they're so busy that, that the way that they do devotions is they get a verse or two on their phone and they, you know, they, they read a verse and that's their meditation for the day. And then you wonder, if you don't spend time in the Word, if you don't take the Word to heart, if that's not where you live, then how are you going to grow close to the Lord? How are you going to know the Lord? How are you going to understand what he's done for you in Christ, what he calls you to do, how he wants you to love him and to respond to the gift of his grace that he's extended to you in Christ. It's as you regularly spend time in the word that your views, your perspectives, they're shaped and formed, that you know God, that you love him, and that you walk with him. It's quite striking. We read together from 2 Thessalonians 2, we're told there are about two different kinds of people. 
The context there is that there's some Thessalonians, they're afraid that they missed out on the, the day of the Lord. They thought that Christ had already come and somehow that they missed out on that. And Paul says to them, he says, don't worry. He says, you haven't missed out on anything. He says, Christ is not going to return unless first the man of lawlessness is revealed. Then he talks about this man of lawlessness. It's really quite ominous. He says that Satan is going to be active through this man of lawlessness and he's going to deceive many people. And it's really striking. Paul says in verse 11 about these people who are deceived, he says that they are people who refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Not everyone is deceived. So those who are deceived are those who refuse to love the truth. They didn't want to receive the word. They refused to love it. And then Paul says of them, he says, Therefore God sends them a strong delusion, so that they may believe what is false, in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, beloved brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the firstfruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. Why are some not saved? Because they refused to believe in the truth, to love the truth, and instead, it says, they had pleasure in unrighteousness. They wanted to do what they wanted to do. They loved their lifestyle that didn't include God. And because they loved their lifestyle that didn't include God, they didn't want to hear the word. They didn't want to treasure it. They didn't want to believe it. Well, God says, he says, you know, if you don't want to hear my word, if you don't want to believe my truth, if you rather go off and, and live your own life, live for your own pleasures, then he says, go and do. If that's who you want to be, then in the end, he says, I will confirm you in that. The day is going to come where I'm going to send a powerful delusion. And if you decide that you'd rather have pleasure in unrighteousness, you'd rather go and live your own life for your own pleasures, and you reject my truth, then God says, in the end, you're going to believe that delusion. And you're going to fall away from my service. But then the Lord says, it will also be very different for others. God chose some to be saved through belief in the truth and sanctification through the Spirit. Those whom he chose, he brings close to himself through his word. It's by believing that God brings you into the kingdom. It's when you hear the truth, when you treasure it, when you take it to heart, that you share in the eternal kingdom of God. That's why in the first verse of 2 Thessalonians 3, Paul continues, Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of God may speed ahead and be honored. Since it's the word that, uses, that God uses to bring his people, he says, pray that that word may go out. Pray that, that other people can hear it and that more people can be brought into the kingdom. And he ends off with this great word of comfort. He says, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. Here you have one of these other great promises that the Lord takes responsibility for his people. He brings his people to glory. And the means that he uses to do that is through his word. It's as his word goes out, as his people believe the word, that they share in his eternal glory. And so you see the, the importance of the word, brothers and sisters. Christ uses the word. The spirit guides us in the truth. 
And that's how we share in the eternal glory of God. Then the Lord teaches us, it's not just by means of the word, it's also through the blessing of mutual admonition. Our Father's been so kind as to put us into a body. The way we make it into glory is, is through the body. It's through helping each other. You know how it happens in real life? We're attracted to sin. Usually we can see sin in the lives of other people, but we're quite blind to sin in our own life. Or maybe we do see it, but if we do see it, then it's just something that we know deep down, maybe we shouldn't be doing this. But then there's lots of reasons why we can excuse that and why we minimize that and why we let it happen in our lives. But then it's a real gift of God that he, he puts us into community. And then when the people around us, they're able to see much more clearly what's really going on in our lives. And so the Lord, he puts these people in, around us who call us out. In Galatians 6 verse 1, that's the calling. It says, brothers, if any one of you is caught in transgression... You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. You see your husband or wife falling into sin, you don't let them go, but you call it out on them. If you see your son or daughter that something's going on in their life, then you assist them with that. You admonish them. Gently, God says, in a spirit of gentleness, gently you speak the truth to them and you help them to see it for what it is. That's the calling of the the well-known passage, Matthew 18. If your brother sins against you, then go tell him his fault just between you and him alone. That's saying we have to help each other. We really need each other. And he's given us such a treasure in each other. Then the most important thing is that we have the humility to accept that. That when someone comes to you, that that you're willing to to hear what they have to say. That you you actually take it to heart. You actually work with it. Because if you don't, brothers and sisters, then sin, it festers. It becomes more deeply seated. And it causes estrangement and isolation. And it leads you to being isolated, not just from other people, but especially from the Lord. If you're a part of a healthy family, if you're part of a healthy church, then you listen to the people around you. And you encourage each other. You love each other, and so you admonish one another. You build each other up to walk in the ways of God. Now, yesterday, we were at this fellowship weekend. We're reflecting on how it is that, that some people come under demonic influence. How does it actually happen? On one level, you, you sometimes face temptation. One of the ways... Paul talks about in Ephesians 4, for example, verse 26. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. So you have this sin in your life. You have this anger. And God warns you against that. He says, don't let it fester because you can give the devil a foothold. He gets this place in your life. And then for some people, that foothold... The devil has a foothold. They're they're tempted to sin. They occasionally fall into sin. They occasionally resist sin. They don't want to do that, so they fight against it. You know, whatever the case may be, anger is one thing. You know, it could be drunkenness. It could be your thing. You know, you you like to drink every once in a while. You come home. You like to have a couple of drinks. But then it could be that you're tempted to drink more, and you resist that. You say, no, that's not who I should be. And occasionally you give into it. You end up drinking too much. 
Well, the next level is that you regularly yield to that temptation. There's some people who fall into that, that the temptation comes and they give into it, and they give into it, and they give into it. And if you, if you yield to temptation more and more regularly, then there's this increasing influence of the force of darkness in your life. And then there's some people, the biblical language is, they are devoured, or they are plundered. They've come under great influence of the devil. They have no ability to resist the temptation. They have this thought about, can't wait till, till work's done, we can start drinking, or I can't wait till the weekend, you know, we're going to have a great time. And that's a thought that, that takes hold, and it's a thought that has power over them. And they have no ability to resist that. It's something that dominates their lives. And at times it goes to the next level. The last level is, is when they talk about demonization. The biblical word doesn't actually, the Bible doesn't actually speak about demon possession. It doesn't talk about demons possessing people. That's not the language of the scriptures. Maybe a better translation would be demonization, where someone comes under the influence and power of a demon. Well, the Lord he doesn't want that for us, brothers and sisters. He wants to save us from temptation. He puts us into community of people. And when we start to see these things in the lives of those around us, then he says, we call it out. We admonish one another. We encourage each other. You know, God is the Lord, and he wants to bring you to glory. And he says, one of the means I do that is by surrounding you with people who love you enough to be willing to have the conversation, to be willing to encourage you. Is it easy? No, it's not easy. No discipline is pleasant at the time. But in Hebrews 12, verse 10, a few verses later, we're told that God disciplines us for our good so that we may share in his holiness. He wants to bring us to glory. He wants us to share in his holiness. And to that end, he indeed disciplines us through the people he puts around us. Well, do you understand, brothers and sisters, the love that the Lord has for you? Understand that those whom he has chosen, that he will bring into glory. Do you also understand that you have a responsibility in that regard? That the Lord calls you to use the means that he's entrusted to you so that you too may share in his eternal glory? Now, the final tool that he uses to communicate his grace to us, to keep us close to him, is the gift of the sacraments. Next week, Sunday, if the Lord's willing, we get to celebrate the Lord's Supper. It's one of the, the great ways that God keeps us close to him. You know, by nature, we focus our attention on ourselves. You know, it's possible you hear the sermon this afternoon. You know, there's a certain admonition here. There's a calling here to be faithful in worship, to be faithful in reading your Bible, to be faithful in admonishing each other and, and paying attention to the admonition that you receive from others. And then you focus all the attention on yourself. You think, oh man, how have I failed? No, this is wrong, and that's wrong, and this is wrong, and that's wrong, and I don't know anymore. And then the Lord gives you the sacrament. And he says, it's not about you. It's not about who you are. It's not about what you have done. It's about who Christ is. It's about what Christ has done. It's in the sacraments. We take the attention off ourselves, and we focus the attention on our Savior. And we believe that Jesus Christ has the power to rescue us. We believe that he can bring us into the kingdom. 
And we know that he can forgive us all our sins. He can take the guilt away. And he can recreate us through his spirit to make us into new people. And so the whole point of the sacraments of of baptism and the Lord's Supper is that we take the attention off ourselves and that we focus our attention on our Savior and who he is and what he has done for us. And it says we use the sacrament. If you come to church next Sunday, if you take part in the Lord's Supper, you, you witness the Lord's Supper being celebrated. And if you remember your Savior, it's about Christ. It's about who he is and what he's done. Then deep in your heart, you can have the assurance that God will bring you into glory. He will accomplish what he sets out to do. It's not because who you are, but it's because of who Christ is. Well, let's, let's use the means, brothers and sisters. Let's trust God to accomplish his good work in us. It's really beautiful the way that the apostle finishes off the, the section that we read here this morning. He says, And we have confidence in the Lord about you, that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. That is our only hope. Amen. Let's sing together. We're going to sing from Psalm 78. We read again the... We're going to praise God for the encouragement that he gives us to also speak of the beautiful things he's done for us to our children and their children. Psalm 78, verses 1 through 4.
Let's now call upon the Lord in thanksgiving and prayer. Our Father who is in heaven, we thank and praise you, Lord, that you are the one who takes responsibility for our salvation. You're the one who, who chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. You're the one who allowed us to hear the message of the gospel preached to us. You work faith in our hearts through your Holy Spirit. You preserve us through to the end. Lord, we honor you that you are so kind that a people who have rebelled against you, you still want to have relationship with. You take us upon yourself to secure that relationship. At the same time, Father, we also recognize that you call us to respond in faith. You want us to believe in you. You want us to love you with all our heart. You want us to grow in a relationship with you. And you teach us, Father, how to do that. You tell us that your word is the central part of the, the relationship between us. So as you speak to us in your word, that you remind us of who you are and what you've done, that we understand the extent of your love for us. We grow in spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us with that more and more. Grant that we may read your word faithfully in our families and also privately. Help us, Lord, to, re to reflect and meditate, to put our phone away, to create space in our day where we have quiet time, to spend time with you, to talk to you about, about the, the events of our day and to hear what you have to say to us. We also pray, Father, that you would help us to love you with all our heart so that the worship services on Sunday are, are a great joy for us, that it's not tedious, that it's not boring to come to church, but that we eagerly come to hear what you have to say, that we want to, to show you our love by listening and by honoring you and by glorifying you. Lord, please bless us in the worship services, that our hearts may be built up in our faith in you, and please grant that your name may receive much honor through us. And then, Father, we also pray that you give us the courage to help each other to walk by faith. If our loved ones, if our, our friends, if others, our brothers and sisters in the church are wandering away from you, if they, if they give sin a place in their lives, they're thinking wrong about things, then help us to have the wisdom to gently instruct them. Help us to engage with people, to, to get them to, to reflect on their motives, to reflect on their attitudes, and to understand who you are and what you have done for them to grow in love for you. Father, please give us the humility to be able to accept correction from each other. Please give us a community where we readily open our hearts, where we seek the instruction of others, where we seek to be, to be led and guided and to be encouraged and admonished by others. We really need your help to have that humility, but we pray that you give this to us for Christ's sake. And then we also pray, Father, that we may tremble at your word when you, you give your word to us through, through the mouth of one of the, the people around us, that we, that we honor that, that we realize that the Almighty God is speaking to us, that we take it to heart. Father, thank you also for the gift of the sacraments. Pray that you bless us next week as we celebrate the Lord's Supper. We ask, Lord, that this may also lead to, to trusting in Christ, to understanding what he has done for us. You're so kind, Father, because you love us so much and you, you promise to bring us into glory. And we pray then that we may use these means faithfully so that we may continue to grow in fellowship and relationship with you. Father, thank you for our church. Thank you for, for all the love that you put in our hearts for one another. Thank you for all the work that happens. So many parents who faithfully raise their children. So often it happens that, that we encourage and build each other up in the communion of the saints. 
What a treasure from your hand. What a, what a gift that you've given so much spiritual maturity to us. Help us to continue to grow with you and with each other. Father, we also pray that in this way we're a light to others, that others may see the hope of the gospel and the light of the gospel in us, that they may be attracted to you and that they may put their faith in you. Please bring many people to hear the message of the gospel. Please help us, Lord, to be faithful in discipling those who you've brought to us. And then, Lord, we, we pray that you bless us also in, in the rest of the week that lies before us. Help us in our work, Lord, that we can do it faithfully and joyfully. Grateful that for many of us tomorrow we have a, a holiday. Pray that you would bless us during that time, that we can have good fellowship with, with family members or friends. Lord, we're, we're thankful for all the rich blessings that you entrust to us time after time. Bless us also later this week. We're hoping to, to hear a presentation about the, the work that's going on in P&G. We're thankful, Lord, that also this, mor- this morning and afternoon we can take a collection for that work. We pray for your continued blessing. We ask, Lord, especially that you be with the indigenous pastors, that you bless them as they faithfully proclaim your gospel to your people. Grant that the work may go on. Grant that your people may, may put their faith and trust in you that they walk in your ways, that they understand your grace, and that they, they know you more and more. Father, we, we pray these things for Jesus' sake. Amen. Brothers and sisters, the collection this afternoon is indeed for the mission work in P&G. You're going to be able to give your gifts of thanks to the Lord at the door on the way out. And at this time, I invite you to rise, and we're going to sing together from hymn 49, the verses 1 and 4. now the blessing of God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.